VHS Cold. It's all things to the menagerie. We die and wait for the burn. It's all things to the menagerie. We came to learn. a country in Eastern Europe, Castlevania. Yeah, that's, that's where it's that's located. Castlevania. Going down, down, baby. You're a street in a Range Rover. Boom, boom, baby. Ready to let go. Oh, I'm gonna, you, for a second, I think you're going to do that fall, boy. Song. Uh, no, I, no. Going down, down, blah, 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 blah. No, Who knows the words to fall about, not me. Nah, Fall Boy's lame. Nelly's the best. Nelly was a good time to be alive. Fall Boy's popularity, bad time to be alive. <laughs> and you live for, through both, so you should know. Uh-huh. And uh, Nelly was much better. <laughs> much better. It's like fucking... Man, getting hot in the club. That's what it was all about when I was 14. I think that's when Nelly popped up. <laughs> it was, oh, man, it was getting wild in the club back then. Getting real hot in the club. I remember it. I remember <laughs> yeah. my club days. Yeah, back in the high school when I was clubbing real hard. <laughs> yep. I went down, down, baby. This is VHS Cult. I am Kyle. I love Tokyo Vampire Hotel. I am a Dracula. Get off this program. I don't hang with Draculas. You absolutely hang with Dr- Everyone hangs with Draculas. Not me. Draculas are the coolest. I only hang out with Corvins, the neo-vampires from Tokyo Vampire Hotel. You don't even know the lore. All the Draculas, all the Draculas in it were goofy Romanian people. And all the um, Corvin vampires, the neo-vampires, badass Japanese people look like they're ready to fucking go to the craziest punk show. I've, I've never met a badass Japanese person. I've fucking, there's tons of them. Hideo Kojima. <laughs> He's not a Dracula. He's badass. You don't know the what he is. The only badass people are Draculas. <laughs> you don't know what he is. He could be a Dracula. I mean, Vamp, Vamp was not a Dracula in the end. He was nanomachines. No, it was vampirism. Oh, in my head canon, it is. A lot of cool shit in those He's always out there games. Yeah. Yeah, you said it, buddy. A lot of cool shit in those Metal Gear Solid games. Cool shit we'll never see again, just like Venture Brothers. Yeah, well... They they really want to to work something out. The, well, the show that they canceled. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cancel it. I guess only they that I think I mentioned it on the stream. Like only seven seasons in seventeen years. So throwing it around like that's an amazing fact. But it's like, man, there's been a lot of wait in between those seasons. Okay. <laughs> there's been periods. Don't, like, don't I know it? There's been yeah. periods was like four or five. It's like Game of Thrones out here. Yeah, there's been periods where I was like, oh, fuck, Venture Brothers exists. 
Well, we got Although, uh, two new episodes. I, I think there might they might be better than writers than George R. R. Martin. George Ronald Rokin Martin. I think it's George Ronald Reagan Martin. Speaking of Ronald Reagan, I was thinking about you know what the big problem is in our modern society. I solved it. You know what it I, is. I'm gonna, I got no. I don't know how it relates to Ronald Reagan. Go for it. It doesn't really relate to Ronald Reagan. It's socio-political shit. I was thinking people are like, because of capitalism and everyone getting so absorbed in their consumer identities and being really atomized from it, it's like capitalism won as far as like people's attitudes go or the people are completely institutionalized by it. And they're like unwilling to like recognize their own humanity and the humanity of other people. It's like how Miyazaki said when he's talking about anime where he feels like it's made by people who don't like to look at other people. I feel like a lot of our culture now is about disliking other people. Or yeah. I think go, it's being I think it's a, not necessarily disliking other people, it's being afraid to look at other people. Yeah. That's a bummer. So I, this week I'm like, fuck that. I'm not gonna deny my humanity. It'll be like that Tyson Dronicus song. I'll not deny my humanity. I'll be rolling in it like a pig in feces. I, I constantly deny deny my humanity. I am a statue man. Not me, not anymore. I'm all about it. No apologies. I don't I like um demon depictions of demons having sex with women and weird Japanese vampire shit and gore and um sex and weird music and i just fucking like to party and have a good time doesn't always necessarily line with my politics but it doesn't matter that's my aesthetic that's what i like i'm a human being fuck you capitalism capitalism you're the worst it honestly has done such caused so much mental illness i think or not even mental illness because that puts on the individual too it causes like a worldwide sickness of the mind it's infected everyone (laughs) It's a disease, man. <laughs> sure is. Charles Manson wasn't wrong about some stuff. <laughs> just, just more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but his dance moves. Doing the Manson, right? <laughs> man, that'd be cool if that became a TikTok trend. Doing the Manson. <laughs> doing the Manson. There's like um a dance cuts of him on YouTube because you know there's that. Parole oh, hearing he was at where he was like just making faces and stuff. He was supposed to no, music. I, That's pretty fun. I, I may guess, but like, there's a there's a point where it stops being fun. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know when I reach that point. It'll <laughs> never stop being fun. That's like, man, I don't care. People can depict whatever they want. Fuck it, just fucking do it. Who cares? Well, tire all these, tire all these rules. God damn it. It doesn't mean you're like free from criticism or getting punched in the face about it, but you know, give it a shot. Make Charles Manson uh, relatable. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah, please hang your hat on that. Cause I, <laughs> oh, we really need here at the VHS call. We really need money. So if, if some podcasts really want to hang their hat on the v, the Charles Manson uh, train, go for it. <laughs> I mean, the world's different without him. You can feel it. Could smell it in the air. There's no more Charles Manson dookie smell. Well, <laughs> oh, the sweaty bush of Charles Manson. That's that's all I got for um the preamble for this episode. Uh, this is VHS Cult. I'm Kyle. I'm a Dracula. And that's Dracula. Alucard. You got anything cool you want to talk about? Any uh, big news? The, yeah, what the fuck is going on with the, the blippers? Oh, man, they're so boring to watch. Yeah, I mean, they have no answer for Jokic. 
I thought they were gonna. I was for sure thought the last game was gonna be it. I was like, get these nuggets out of here. <laughs> but this is the thing about the Blippers is um, you can tell they're a really good team, but they're man, fucking so boring to watch, and it's all like, yeah, we got pretty strong defense and like whatever. We can hit some shots. It's just so bland. I don't want him to win anymore. <laughs> Paul George is like if uh, if if Scottie Pippen could go from scoring thirty points in one game to two points in the next game. I don't even know what Paul George does. Honestly, he's every game I've watched, he is barely there, so he didn't even show up. They're lucky they got Kawhi. He's regretting his decision <laughs> right now. Isn't he? Uh, I, I mean, he actually cares about the the championship thing. I don't know. I'm sure they'll beat the Nuggets. God, you know, at this point, they're fucking better. It's still three to two, so they just got to do one more. One more. That was like I thought the um, no, it's three three. The next game is uh, game seven. Oh yeah, they did play game six already, huh? That was today. Shit. I was excited to watch Game Seven with um, the Celtics and the Raptors on Friday night, and like that was a pretty boring game too. It was like for sure the Celtics were going to win the whole game. <laughs> oh, well, that's the entire Eastern Conference, though. Is I think they play kind of boring. Well, we'll see next year when when KD and Kyrie are on the Nets, right? And there's all oh man, this Eastern Conference team this year, fucking they're going to kill it, and then they play like one Western team, and it's like yeah, right, you're going to sweat. Eastern Conference is bad, just like uh, everything else about the East Coast sucks compared to the West Coast. Except <laughs> for the West Coast is on fire. Doom is here, huh? Doom. Nah, it's more like Mad Max. Doom. When I the general concept of Doom, not the video game Doom. Oh, well, okay. I'm sorry, I thought you were making another reference. Yeah. Death is now assured. One of the gates of hell has opened, seemingly. Climate change. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, you know, just to point something out, if uh, if you think one of the gates of hell is in Louisiana, you've clearly never been to Missouri. Why wouldn't it be in Louisiana? Louisiana is a pretty spooky place. Not yeah, it's spooky, but not like evil. I don't know. Like, um, those aren't like the uh, what's that lady who writes about vampires that's famous for vampires? Is oh, uh, Stephanie Meyer. No. The more Rice. You're talking about Anne Rice. Anne Rice, yeah. Isn't all her stories down in like Louisiana and shit? Yeah. The vampire was sat. Yeah, there you go. They're all Cajun. A bunch of Cajun vampires running around. <laughs> oh, I'm going with him. I'm going to get this man. I'm going to suck all his blood out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to go noodling for humans. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of noodling for humans, we watched The Beyond in 1981. It's. Part two in the Gates of Hell trilogy, the sequel to the City of Living the Living Dead, Lucio Fulci. Sixty years ago, everybody in this hotel disappeared. Every last person. A painter called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key.
him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell. Because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. And you they were, were trying to make terror. seven of these. Like, we're going to show all seven of the gates of hell, but they only got the three. I don't think that was ever his plan. <laughs> They're really loosely connected. It's like, yeah, it's a gate to hell, huh? Yeah, that's the, the only... come out of it, huh? That's the only thematic connection is, yeah, the gates of hell. Every, every, this one don't have a fireball. We don't have a budget for a fireball. This one doesn't even have um any semblance of a plot. It's just, this hotel is on top of a gate to hell. The gate to hell is opened. Enjoy. <laughs> it really feels like uh, he's like, I read the HP Lovecraft. I can do an HP Lovecraft. He basically did. Um, I don't think HP Lovecraft is a very good storyteller. No, but he has more of a plot than this. It's just usually a lot more racism. Well, I, I, he's like really good at describing um, <laughs> settings <laughs> and stuff. Wet sounds of a cyclopean horror. Why do you always say cyclopean? Don't usually most of his creations have multiple eyes? I don't know. That's his bullshit. Don't get me. Huh. Weird. Ball relief. I mean, I don't think it's that I far I think he's using cyclopean more in like the, uh, the ancient civilization term, not necessarily like a cyclops. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's that far off from being a H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. I think it's pretty faithful to what H.P. Lovecraft no, is No, it really about. did remind just, me of a uh, Lovecraft story. Yeah, it's like, this is just kind of some mysterious shit, and then you shrug about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the IMDb breakdown is thus. A young woman inherits an old hotel in Louisiana, where, following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then some shit happens. <laughs> and then Scooby and Shaggy show up. No, that's um, Scooby Zombie, Zombie Island. Island. <laughs> Zombie Island. Remember when they made a sequel to it and it was bad? Oh my god, it was garbage. I was so excited to watch it with the kids. <laughs> you fool. They got another one coming out. Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. It's got the scarecrow on it from Batman. I mean, I always love the Batman vs. Scooby-Doo or Batman vs. Scooby-Doo ones. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> That's the classic one we watched as a kid. Uh, that may be our first. Well, the Batman 66 and the Batman vs. Scooby, Scooby-Doo are really uh, ingrained in my memory. So, like I said, this is the sequel to City of the Living Dead, part two in the Gates of Hell, Gates of Hell trilogy. If you'll recall, uh, City the of the Living of Dead has... going to be our trilogy. City of the Living Dead has kind of... Um, they're trying to prevent an apocalypse in City of the Living Dead before... Because it's going to take place on All Saints Day, right? Remember all that shit? And they have to close the gate to prevent apocalypse. And they succeed. And um, so there's kind of like a goal in City of the Living Dead. None of that shit is in the beyond. <laughs> Lucio Fulci <laughs> said, fuck that shit. We're not doing it anymore. It's just time to get spooky. In fact, he's quoted saying he wanted to create a true film experience where it was all just interpretations through uh, mood and how you felt rather than um, there being a plot. (laughs) (laughs) Or a story. I don't know right. I film scenes. (laughs) That's absolutely something Lucio Fulci would say. Uh, Of course, uh, City Living Dead also has H.P. Lovecraft references. It takes place in Dunwich, which could be anywhere USA, but it's actually Italy. Um, I don't know, some other Lovecraft shit. Basically, the whole idea of there being some great unknowable evil. Yeah, and, except, um, for, yeah, this time it's like, it's the demons. It's this got one, something to do with Chris Christ, though. No, nah, this one's specifically uh, Lovecraft shit, or technically, well, 
It says Abel, and like I don't know. Really, there's like kind no, of. No, it's the Book of Abon, not Abel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which is we'll get to in a second. But uh, yes, yeah, so the writers are Lucio Fulci. I doubt he did any writing, really. He probably just gets that <laughs> credit because apparently while they're filming it, he would just come up with new shit to film. So I guess that's like a writing credit. He, and then there's a spider, and he's a mouth. It turned into a goo. <laughs> no, he gets a spider bite on the tongue from a <laughs> very ugly puppet spider. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the practical effects in this. The deaths are great. Um, the spider scene maybe goes on a little too long. Like I feel like you cut that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I like it, but for me at this point, watching it, um, I like to watch the the actual spiders get freaked out by everything that's going on because <laughs> tarantulas are like notoriously skittish. So you like see one of the robot ones come into frame and like bite the nose, and the actual one will be like, "Oh, I gotta get out of here." <laughs> and then the actual writer writer is uh, Dardano Sacchietti, who uh, has written every movie we've watched so far. <laughs> <laughs> he gets around. No one to pay me the respect I deserve. I, I mean, I'm like a Luigi over here. I'm like a Luigi Mario. Uh, Lucio Fulci, of course, Gates of Hill trilo- Gates of Hell trilogy. I wonder why I keep saying Gates of Hill. Hmm. I've been watching King of the Hill. I'm just thinking about Hank Hill, I guess. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Of course, uh, Zombie 2, the unofficial sequel, the Italian sequel to Dawn of the Dead. Zombie fights a shark. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know what it is. Everyone knows Lucio Fulci. Uh, Beyond's yeah, part two. But maybe on this podcast. They better at this point. Um, he's actually old as shit compared to the other guys we've talked about. He started directing like all the way back at the end of the 40s. You know, during fascism. <laughs> <laughs> well, the end of fascism. he am my hero. Yeah, so he's a pretty old man by the time he's directing Gates of Hell. And uh, the film we're going to watch next week is kind of what inspired him to go this direction and also basically inspired all the direction of most of 80s Italian film. Secret Agent Dragon. It's called uh, fucking Happy Halloween Tom and Jerry Halloween special. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm definitely going to watch that. (laughs) It's on Hulu, I think, or something. One of them. Uh. Coops and I watched uh, Adam Stanley Values the other day. Fantastic movie. I think the first one's no, the second one. The second one, one's better, but they're both really good. Yeah, I like them. They're pretty good. Uh, music in this, uh, John, here is Fabio Frizzi. Frizzi. He's a celebrated film composer. He's been doing this shit since the late 60s, too. He's still going. He's doing a bunch of like TV shit now. That's what he calls it, too. He's like, ah, I do the TV shit. I think I mentioned this last time for City of the Living Dead because he also did the music for that one, but he's got the famous song or score or theme Seven Notes in Black from Lucio Fulci's The Psychic, which was used in Kill Bill that everyone recognizes. And then also the scene where it takes place where it's the bride first waking up in the hospital waiting for Buck to show up. All that stuff is a visual homage to The Psychic as well. So... Quentin Tarantino just stealing Lucio Fulci's shit. Not just his. And if you recall, um, I also, last time City of the Living Dead, there's a scene where Eyeball starts leaking blood, and Quentin Tarantino also referenced that in Kill Bill when uh, Gogo Yubari, Chiaki Kuriyama, is killed with a board with a nail in it. So Which there is a you go. To the Simpsons. Nope. 
Simpsons don't yeah, exist. Yeah, Halloween special. Which one? Treehouse of Horror 1 through yeah, 30? Yeah, the one. <laughs> I don't know which one. I don't know which Treehouse of Horror, but... The one where uh, Homer gets the monkey paw and then uh, Ned Flanders wishes for a way to defeat the aliens. And it's a boar with a nail in it. Mm. In 2016, Rolling Stone ranked Freezy's score the 11th best horror film score of all time. Uh, Chris Alexander of ComingSoon.net also ranked the film's main theme. Uh, Voci Dal Nola, Voci Dal Nola, one of the greatest horror films, greatest horror film themes ever composed. Um, that's Voices from the Void. Ooh, spooky. Yeah, that's that is that spooky shit. Ooh, Voice from the Void. From the Void. Spooky stuff. That's like HP Lovecraft spooky stuff. Uh, cast. We'll go over cast real quick. No one that important in the film, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got Catriona McCall, who is returning from City of the Living Dead. She's also going to be the lead in House by the Cemetery, which is the third part, which we'll watch next year. Uh, she has said that The Beyond is her personal favorite film, uh, stating that she remains drawn to the decadent Italian macabre poetry that the film exudes. I actually like the house by the... I don't know if I like House by the Cemetery more, but there's a simplicity to it. Beyond's pretty cool, though. Mm, I don't know. I haven't seen the house, so I can't say. Um, this is City of Living Dead. I think I like City of Living Dead better. You like City of Living Dead better than this? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, the other person is David Warbeck, plays the doctor. He's actually a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, also, McCall's obviously not Italian either. She's from England. <laughs> you don't walk around sometimes with them. they get you know i'm yeah there's people immigrating shit i'm sure there's i mean a if you're name's McCall, she's obviously not from england anyways oh no it's, she's scottish or irish at one point anyways um david warbeck though uh he's also in daddy full cheese no warbeck daddy warbucks get oh, it right damn it <laughs> uh he's also in uh full cheese legato nero which is a black cap and Sergio Leone's Duck, You Sucker. Oh, that's a good one. He died in 1997. Rest in power, David Warbeck. Uh, majority of the cast were English speakers, while Fulci only spoke Italian. So due to the language barrier, much of Fulci's direction was done with miming, making faces, and moving <laughs> his body in order to make the actors understand what he wanted of them. A kissy, kissy, kissy. <laughs> there was also a man named Larry Ray, who was a local that was hired to do location scouting and set design and stuff. Um, what? He, Larry Ray? Yeah. Hey, and, yeah, so I'm Larry Ray. Just pay me 20 bucks. Shut um, the, the fuck up. Pay me 20 bucks. <laughs> Anyways, he, could, uh, he was bilingual. He could speak Italian and English. No, so, of course he could. So he did a lot of an interpretation with Fulci. Uh, he actually, I've him, seen the Goonies. I know how this goes. Him and Fulci got along pretty well, so he actually has a part in the film. He's the guy that falls off the scaffolding in the beginning of the film, named <laughs> Larry the Painter. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to go with Ray the Painter? Um, 100% he's like, the cocaine goes in the top drawer. Uh, oh, no, this was actually filmed in New Orleans, so he was a Louisiana man. He wasn't Italian. I know. But I- well, I guess he's Italian-American. Actually, you remember the Goonies when Mouth does the interpretation to the... Uh- um, Italian um, maid that Mikey's mom just hired. Isn't it just Spanish? Was it Spanish? I thought it was Italian. Nah, it's, nah, it's oh, just it Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck it. Yeah, but he's doing <laughs> that on, the same language. Not really. He's doing it on purpose. 
I guess yeah, actually, I Spanish and Italian are close enough that they could be considered dialects, right? Um, I don't. I think technically no. Oh, but I thought that was sure the case with um, most of the Romance languages. Oh, speaking of Romance languages and Tokyo Vampire Hotel, um, there's tons of Romanians in it, and you're like, oh yeah, R- Romanian is definitely a Romance language. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Uh, yeah, so uh, because of that, Larry Ray has a whole bunch of um, insider scoops and like stories. If you have, if you're able to get the Blu-ray, if you like this movie enough to get the Blu-ray, anyways, <laughs> there's a bunch of interviews with him where he tells uh, some funny stories about making the film. Uh, his impression was basically uh, Lucio Fulci just kind of did what he want. He was coming up with new ideas every day, and he just they were just doing doing shit, trying shit out, which is pretty <laughs> fun. That's fun. Fulci himself also has a cameo in the film as uh, the librarian who goes to lunch right before uh, Spider-Man gets attacked by spiders. <laughs> Spider-Man. Let's start Spider-Man. Eating, start eating his shit. Eating his face going for the soft tissue. That's how Spider-Man should have got his powers. He was devoured <laughs> by spiders and then reformed through like some sort of psychic goo. Like Interesting. Um... Interestingly, uh, there's going to be a shocking revelation as concerns Spider-Man in, in just a few moments, if you can hold your anticipation. Oh, shit. Is it Italian Spider-Man? No, but uh, Italian, Penguin. Italian Spider-Man rules is better than any of the American-made um, Spider-Man films. Absolutely. <laughs> even Spider-Man 2? Uh, absolutely yeah fucking i don't even i don't like sam raimi that much i don't care they did evil dead and shit i don't i think he's a corny director uh filmed on location in and around new orleans um which i think makes it cooler because it's uh seeing like um the outside eye of like italian cinema like how it films new orleans and like the idea that the hotel would have a basement, which is just insane in all. <laughs> yeah, right. So it makes it like kind of dreamlike and surreal. Well, I think it, it makes adds sense to that the, the basement flooded. I'll tell you that because <laughs> below sea level. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's. I think that adds like the kind of like dreamlike surreal quality of it is um, the sort of lack of understanding of the environs. And I thought the uh, the stairwell in the hotel was funny as hell too, because like, th- there's no way there's a, a hotel that size in Louisiana with that stairwell unless it's like the servant stairwell. I mean, probably in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. So just with the 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 Italian like lighting techniques and style of cinematography, but in like a quote unquote familiar location, because you've seen New Orleans shot by plenty of different like filmmakers, American filmmakers, where it's like. This is the vibe of Nolans. This is what it looks like. Blah, blah blah. But how it's shot in this film is just kind of like almost inconsequential because the their rev- their reverence for Nolans is really superficial. <laughs> it's like you <laughs> got hated the oh, fuck of the French. You got swamps and shit. I don't know. Uh, producer Fabrizio De Angelis, he's from Los Angeles, said that on his previous collaboration with Fulci Zombie 2, they inspired to make a comic book movie that is, instead of being scared, people would laugh when they saw those zombies. Said, though, audience largely responded with fear, prompting them to make a straightforward horror film that was City of the Living Dead. Then people laugh at that one. I don't get it. I don't know if people laugh at City of the Living Dead. I'm sure when it came out, it was kind of like, more like, hmm, this is pretty weird. 
Uh, Fulci says uh, the films are connected by the trope of hapless mortals literally living on top of an entrance to hell and then inadvertently falling into it. That's it. That's all the movies are about. Nothing else mm-hmm. to read into. Why is he always hurting eyeballs? I don't know. Lucio Fulci and his like makeup team just fucking love to do eyeball torture shit. There's like a thematic reason in this one, but uh, it's in all of his movies. <laughs> People are always getting their eyes poked out. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> In this one, a spider eats an eye. Mm-hmm. Nom, nom, nom. Soft tissue. Nom, nom, nom. Squeaky spider spiders, too. Tissue. Why are those spiders so squeaky? I don't know. You know tarantulas. It'd be, cra- <laughs> It'd be crazy if spiders actually made noise. It'd be even creepier. Fuck me. Because you just like hear them at night and be like, there's a spider in here somewhere. <laughs> Well, yeah. Well, then you get up in the middle of the night and you have to kill a goddamn spider. I don't need that. Yeah, but you can't find it. You can just oh, hear he's it. He's squeaking at me. I'll find him. Nope, you can't. He's too sneaky. Uh, D'Angelo's recalled Fulci discussing the film's concept with him, so he's telling me the story about a couple moving into a house where underneath is hell. And I was like, what does this mean? There weren't any dead people maybe killed in the house? Or, and Fulci just goes, no. <coughs> there's hell. It's always been a gate to hell, damn it. Don't yeah. you get it? <laughs> no, he just goes, no, there was a hell, there's hell under the house. That's it. There's just hell. Oh, okay. Look, basement one is a basement. A basement two is a hell. So I mean, that really is the concept of the entire movie. It's like, hey, they just built a hotel on top of hell. Yeah, that's simple shit. I don't know why Americans don't get it. That's it. The hotels on top of hell. Hell costs. <laughs> I problems. guess the real problem is like, why is it suddenly uh, an issue? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, hey, this hotel has been built on top of hell for at least a hundred years, right? Um, the warlock. Who, Happened in 1926. This is the 80s, so we'll, we'll say 60. And now it's a problem? Well, yeah, it's a, in this one, it's pretty explicitly because they unearthed the warlock and they do the uh, brain scan on him in the hospital and he uh, revitalizes, revitalizes his powers and he kind of sets off the chain of events. Just like you see the, the, the dead. The events were set off before that because like, the, the painter fell from the house before that. Yeah, but that could just be spooky haunting stuff. Residual no. haunt. Yeah, residual haunt. Yeah, I mean, say the living dead's also. Or awesome. maybe that painter was just drunk, you know? Like it could be. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? This is a spooky house. You're drunk. Who knows what could happen? I mean, I know if I was a house painter, I'd be drunk 80% of the time. Yeah, just like in uh, Ryan Gosling's best performance, Blue Valentine. He's like, I, I'm lucky to have a job where I get to drink. I don't need to drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a perk. I got I to gotta take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Except for it's not funny in the context of the film. <laughs> it's a pretty sad movie. Kyle, drinking is always funny. Some of the elements of the screenplay were derived in an arbitrary manner, shockingly. <laughs> in an Italian movie? Such as the design of the Abon symbol, which Fulci based on the shape of a trivial amateur tattoo his daughter had gotten on her arm. Which, sure. Why not? <laughs> did, uh, did none of the actors tell him that some of their translations were incorrect? Like when uh, they go to the morgue and it says, do not entry? Yeah, but that's cute. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, like, the people on set for that scene weren't English speakers. Because <laughs> the, <people, laughs> the, be the people in that scene are that little red-haired yeah, girl yeah, yeah, who's you, Italian no, right. and her mother who's Italian. So they probably didn't know the difference. Do not enter. Yeah, 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 I get it. That's one of the classic shots of the film because of that sign. So it was, it was worth it. All right, so now let's connect the cosmic horror shit. Uh, Book of Avon is from Clark Ashton Smith's stories. Uh, he is a contemporary of H.P. Lovecraft and Robert E. Howard. 
they all wrote for weird tales and they tended to share ideas. So the book of Avon appears in a few Lovecraft stories and it's Gates it's in Gates Hill trilogy because Gates of Hill trilogy is all sponsored, all inspired by fucking cosmic horror Lovecraft shit. There you go, boom, Book of Avon. Doesn't have anything to do with Catholicism except for hell's in it. But you know, you can never escape hell when you're Italian. Secchietti's conception of the beyond was based on his own ruminations on death and the suffering of being born condemned to death, born to be erased, which is, that's a great way to look at life. (laughs) Yeah, no, nothing nihilistic about that at all. Yeah, nothing matters. Uh, Secchietti sought to depict the beyond as a hell full of dead souls and other world existing outside of Euclidean geometry. Wow. Um, I studied Euclidean geometry in high school. Yeah, everyone does. It's just shapes. Call it shit shapes. <laughs> Originally, the film's final sequence in which the characters enter the beyond was meant to take place in an amusement park where the two main characters, now dead, are able to enjoy themselves in a great amusement park of life. I don't know how that corresponds to Sakya's belief <laughs> at all. <laughs> Non-Euclidean geometry of an amusement park. Oh, but they go on the bumper car, huh? <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of angles and shapes in an amusement park, so. <laughs> uh, I guess that shit was going to be too expensive, though, so they did what they did with the shocking ending where hell is a dusty desert with a bunch of corpses everywhere. Also known as Arizona. I guess it's technically not hell. It's just specified as the beyond. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of looks like under your house in the Bay Area. But with <laughs> corpses are there. <laughs> it looks like under John Wayne Gacy's house. <laughs> I, I think the concept of it and how it's executed just practically is interesting. We're like, what? We're in the basement of the hotel. What? We're fucking in the desert of hell. And then their eyeballs get burned out. Because what happens in most H.P. Lovecraft stories when they experience something uh, otherworldly or from the beyond? They uh, come to a sudden realization about life, and they completely change themselves. Well, they go, they go mad. Oh, so which Lovecraft stories did you read? Every single one. <laughs> they always just go mad. They can't comprehend it. Uh, so Sometimes they just die too from madness. Um, so that's the, the way that's depicted in this film, and in the classic uh, die music video for fantasy. Well, I guess in the Die music video, the the lead character of that music video gets her eyes like literally burned out by an unknowable horror. But in this, they, they go blind. Anyone who's seen the beyond or seen the other side has gone blind. That's why at the end, it's like shocking. Close-up of the two main characters with their blindy eyes. Oh, milky blindy eyes. They've seen too much. You know, too much. Which is better than Lovecraft because... um. In Lovecraft, they're all mad and can never explain what they saw. That wouldn't work in a visual film. They couldn't be like... Every scene couldn't be one character asking another character about <laughs> what they just saw and them not being able to describe it. <laughs> so oh, it a, the horrors. It's <laughs> unspeakable in this nature of... Uh, nature of unspeakableness. <laughs> I mean, not only just, that, but like H.P. Lovecraft's dialogue is clunky as shit. Uh, he he could, could not have characters describe a goddamn thing. I can I think that'd be actually an interesting challenge to make a horror film that way where like none of the supernatural events or like gore or anything actually takes place on screen and it's all just relayed relayed by characters to other characters. It's like you really got to use your imagination in this one. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean you maybe you pitch that one to Netflix. 
I'm definitely they're they're doing pedophile apparently. So doing pedophile pedophilia isn't that people are upset about that cuties movie? Oh yeah, um, yeah, but it's actually about the early sexualization of children, right? Yeah, but no one's gonna watch the movie. So what what do you expect them to have any sort of context? Oh yeah, like a nuanced opinion about something. No, if a movie depicts anything, it is a tacit endorsement of it. Correct? Correct. Like, just like, like in this movie. This movie is a tacit endorsement of demons. Yep. This movie endorses popping out eyeballs and opening gates of hell. Oh, that's why people were talking about Taxi Driver the other day, huh? Because they're like, did you know Jodie Foster was 12 in this movie? And it's like, yeah. The whole fucking last act of the movie is, hit, uh, is fucking Rob De Niro's character going to kill her fucking pimp and shit and rescue her because it's bad it's not like the movie says anything great about her being a 12 year old prostitute it's like fucking <laughs> um, people are just fucking dumb like i don't understand how people do not understand how movies work like if you depict something in your movie you endorse it and you think it's good that makes you evil <laughs> <laughs> it reminds you've uh, you read uh, on writing my stephen king right we've talked yeah. about this a couple times on the, the podcast i'm sure uh but there's uh he talks about when he wrote the dead zone and uh, uh, the main character or the main villain in that kicks a dog to death, right? In the very yeah. opening scene. And he got, talks about how many letters he got about how awful it is that someone kicked a dog to death. And he's like, I didn't do it. It was just a story. It's like, it's not. It's also like, exactly. People it, it's the villain. I'm trying to tell you this is a bad thing. Yeah. That was awful when that happened. It, exactly. <laughs> you get it. I'm with you. Cool. That was the point. Wow, obviously it's just um, pro-clutching, conservative, Tipper Gore type bullshit. Uh, And then in this case, uh, Netflix did fuck up with their marketing, just making it seem like it was a little girl dancing movie. You know what I mean? Well, I guess, but like Netflix probably was thinking like, no one the fuck gives a shit about this art house movie from Cannes or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the thing is I was actually aware of the film like a year ago when it was doing well on the festival circuit because it's a french movie and i it didn't uh, nothing about it sounded interesting to me that really though so i was never intending to watch it but then a week or two ago whatever when it was going to be released on netflix and it was called cuties now because they have to translate the title obviously (laughs) and it was the 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 poster they chose i was like oh that looks pretty weird (laughs) <laughs> but then I re- but then I found out it was the same movie and I was like, oh, never mind. It's it's just Netflix kind of. I don't know. They're trying. Maybe they're just trying to like find a way to get girls to watch it, thinking it was a cool dance movie or something. Which is weird because it's like seems. I think it's pretty like dark. Yeah, I'm, it's definitely it not rated be. PG thirteen. Yeah, and I don't. Well. I don't think it's for kids. <laughs> That's the whole thing too. Is it's depicting something that is real and with a critical eye and showcasing to you why it's bad so you can empathize with it which is kind of the the importance of art and film specifically right but then everyone's immediate reaction is just no this is netflix the goddamn pedophile organization doing pedophilia as if any corporation on earth is brave enough to just release child porn (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) as powerful as they are it's like i don't know if they would do that that's why it's all done backroom dealing is where they trade in adrenochrome. They can't, <laughs> these like weird people on the internet can't even get their conspiracy shit to line up correctly. No, Kyle, it's about accepting age fluidity or some nonsense. 
You know, the fuck is that? Is that I that... identify as the eighth year old boy? Oh, is that that pro pedophilia shit that's on like Tumblr and shit too? Yeah, garbage nonsense. It's not real. Yeah, fucking internet's a weird place. Internet's a weird place. Only identify with your consumer identity. Become a little tribe on the internet with your consumer identities, and just what's your consumer life. identity? I'm thinking of getting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. Mine is um, Italian horror shit, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's a identity at all because it doesn't um I, I i don't care that much about it you know what i mean <laughs> i don't know what my consumer identity is i need to get one though because everyone else has one uh, ballpark franks well i'm a hot dog guy now you know me uh speaking of bad releases of films with regards to cuties which is originally called what mignons whatever the french word for like little babes is or something mignons this in front is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know French very well. Uh, following its release, reception of the Beyond was polarized, if you can believe it. Uh, contemporary and re- retrospective critics have praised the film for its surrealistic qualities, special effects, musical score, and cinematography, but note its narrative inconsistencies. I don't know if it's so much inconsistent as if or there isn't a really a narrative. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's not inconsistent. There's just no narrative. Well, yeah, so a lot of uh, horror filmmakers and surrealists have interpreted these inconsistencies as intentionally disorienting, supplementing the atmospheric tone and direction. Which is giving a little too much credit. Well, I think it goes along with what Fulci said when he, at the outset of making it, where he uh, it might yeah, he just trying to make an experience. Yeah, he he just wanted to be like mood and visual, a moody visual experience. He wanted to like feel it. You know, not um, interpret it. He's like, just experience it. Don't interpret it. Which um, I can buy, a but also for eighth grade the book reports. Well, like that's the thing is, if um, a lot of film, if you like dress it up so it looks cool and it's like fun and interesting for me, I don't care about the plot. So that's why I like all these Italian films, and it doesn't really bother me because it's like that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the for the gore effects and the colored lights and smoke and shit. Uh, the Beyond, though, is ranked among Fulci's most celebrated films. Yeah, this is kind of like the uh, high point of his career from like Zombie 2 on through the Gates of Hell trilogy. Before that, he's doing Giallo, he's doing Westerns. He'd done all sorts of shit before he got to the prestige of 80s Italian horror. Uh, film historian Roberto Curti described the Italian release as okay business, noting that while the gross was less than that of several Fulci's earlier horror films, the film was widely distributed in other countries and was especially successful in Spain. It's an international hit, just like Fast and the Furious for the last six installments. Is, it, is Fast and Furious an international hit or is it a hit in China? I mean, I was being nice, but yeah, China. <laughs> yeah. Back so, hey, you know what is funny to me is like Disney spent all that money filming in China for Mulan, and they, the Chinese audiences give no shits about that goddamn movie. I, I don't think anyone cares about Mulan. It came and it went. This is back in the day, though, where I think most European films kind of had to rely on international success, right? You would like hope you're. Yeah, I mean, like the American audience is always the big one back then. Yeah. Presumably, if you make an Italian movie, you're like, God damn it, I hope some of those fucking Spaniards will watch it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Unfortunately, you know the French they hate everything. <laughs> now the French just the French have a very specific uh, taste in film. They yeah, the French kind of do think they're just better than everybody, don't they? <laughs> French are a little bit pretentious. Um, unfortunately for the Beyond, though, in England the film had difficulty with censors. Uh, it got an X rating, demanding several cuts, and uh, subsequently was included on the video nasties list. Which was, uh, you know, like um, conservative pearl clutch when you were talking about earlier. That was going on in England during the Thatcher period, if you can believe it. So there was, there was a shock. There was an extensive list of films and what was so awful about them, and it made them so hard to find in England. So it was almost as if The Beyond was never released in England. The transition from liberalism to neoliberalism. I'm feeling it now. They got, oh, geez, Netflix got the cuties. Got that fashion energy. Fucking everyone does. Even like um people that are ostensibly left wing will have like the most like conservative takes about like sex and romance. It's like ugh, goddamn. But from Oof. my I don't know, there's like a there's a there's a line. You know what I mean? Like where the um the power dynamics get really weird at certain points. But I, I you know <laughs> there's nothing really wrong with sex. No, not at all. Uh, my thing is I, a lot of it comes down to. Uh, it's, it's, I just always in the back of my mind, I'm like, I just got to remember that these people are incredibly online. These are internet people. They like, majority of them do not have, yeah, they do not have like real life human interactions and everything is seen through the lens of like the weird categorization and leveling itemization of different things that the internet does. So it's just like, yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe someday they'll have sex and they will understand that it's not that weird. But who knows? This is gross. It's wet and gushy. Let's <laughs> see, gushy, my pussy. Uh, the Beyond did not see a U.S. release until eight, I was going to say 1883, but uh, <laughs> 1983. Uh, it was an alternate version with a different score and 11 minutes of cut footage to achieve an R rating, and it was Ooh, titled. I saw. It was titled Seven Doors of Death." This one's like not in circulation anymore. Oh, I definitely. So you saw the Beyond. Uh, mo- uh, and in um, racist uh, action for the 80s, if you can believe this as well, uh, most of the cast and crew names for this version were also anglicized to appeal to U.S. audiences, with uh, Fulci being credited as uh, Lewis Fuller. <laughs> 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 That's funny, right? <laughs> Directed by uh, Louis Fools. <laughs> yeah, that shit's funny. I can't believe they... One to all the efforts to change the names and shit too. It's like, oh, I know one thing about. Yeah, I don't want anyone to make an audience. No one in Kentucky is gonna see no goddamn movie directed by Luchi Fulci. <laughs> Bullshit. I guess when you think about it, in Kentucky, the um, Italian people kind of probably are pretty exotic. I mean, not anymore <laughs> really, but at one point, you olive skin son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, so I don't the, know. Maybe it is. I don't, I've never been to Kentucky. Maybe they. <laughs> Um, the uncut version of the Beyond was not made commercially available in the U.S. until after Fulci's death in 1996. Rest in peace. Here's your reward. Well, Bob Morosky of Grindhouse Releasing, who restored the film, uh, he, he took it on tour mm-hmm. they, with Quentin Tarantino's Rolling Thunder Pictures. They also released a restored DVD. This is um this is Quentin Tarantino considers this film his favorite horror film 
when initially released in 1983. Hmm. So yeah, 1996, the original cut's release uh, gets taken on tour. Bob Murawski also restores the film in 1998. That's the DVD release. And then um, someone else must have restored it for the Blu-ray, but maybe not. Maybe this guy still owns it. Um, also, Bob Morosky, the guy I'm talking about who owns the rights to the film at one point and restored and shit, uh, he was the film editor for um, a little a little uh, Sony Pictures Marvel crossover film called uh, Spider-Man. And uh, in one the shots for the Spider-Bite transformation dream sequence in Spider-Man, uh, it has a little co- a little shots from um, uh, uh, the Beyond inserted into it. Oh my brain, uh, Tobus Maguire. Yep, that's right. You saw it, and you didn't even know you saw it. And Sam Raimi's a hack. Fight me, Sam Raimi. <laughs> Why'd you make the same movie twice? <laughs> Dark Man was bullshit. Dark Man was bullshit. <laughs> Evil Dead Two is pretty good. Anything else? Nope. I actually do like Dark Man, and um, also, um, what's his cowboy one? Cooking the, the Dead? Nah, that's yeah, that's a good one, too. Nah, that's baby it's, shit. That one's fun. I mean, you can't be like, oh, uh, the City of the, the, the Beyond is a good movie, a great movie, and not say that the Cooking the Dead's not a fun movie. Cooking the Dead's baby shit. Soft as baby shit. <laughs> <laughs> not a single eyeball gets ripped out. <laughs> you know, I don't need an eyeball to get ripped out to enjoy a movie. I do. You know, that's, you, a, that's a terrible bar to set for movies. I do. It makes my. Like, there's only like three movies that you can watch. It makes my dick hard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. I can watch every Lucio Fulci movie made after like 1975. <laughs> <laughs> there's always an eyeball it's like, coming oh, out. I can only watch movies with, with weird shots of feats in it. And like, oh, I only watch Quentin Tarantino movies. Also, Dan Schneider TV shows. There's got to be other directors with a foot fetish. You see feet all the time. You actually kind of don't see feet very often, do you? I don't. I know. I'm not a feet guy, so I don't really notice. I feel like a feet man huh. would notice, though. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, they're always on the lookout. Yeah, you're always on the lookout for ass and titties. I'm always on the lookout for nightgowns. But yeah, I do appreciate a fat ass. I also like uh, cute little asses and medium sized asses. I just, you know. I just love asses. You know, what's a particularly interesting thing about women that I find attractive that no one, no one ever comments on this. And I guess it's not um, uh, thighs. <laughs> well, everyone talks about thighs. And I don't know thighs, what you're about. thighs are the best. Um, I guess it's not always the case because um, some women are bigger than others, as Morrissey once said. Obviously, women <laughs> come in different shapes and sizes. But Morrissey said a lot of shit. Um, every partner I've been with, comparative to like the size of my rib cage, girls got like nice little, little small rib cages. It's cool. I can like oh. like just a little rib cages. So cool. Yeah, I have a fucking huge ass rib cage, but I don't know if that's just a me thing or if that's like. <laughs> well, just like women are smaller in general, right? So that their rib cages are smaller and their upper body is smaller proportionally. You know, shit like that. That's just something I've always enjoyed about. The time I've spent with women is just <laughs> filling the little rib cages. I don't know. I like weird shit. Little rib cages. Big rib cages, too. I don't know. Fucking your partner's rib cage. Rib cage is cool. Think human, about it sometime. Yeah, human bodies are cool. Appreciate rib cages. Don't just get out there and worry about feet and shit. Human bodies. <laughs> I want rib cages. Human bodies got all sorts of cool stuff. Rib cages, uh, thighs, um, wrists. Elbows. Yeah, people's like... Head, body- shoulders, knees, and toes. People's body hair can grow in different ways. It's badass. It's great. Fucking love it. Humans are cool. Uh, oh, man. 
Oh, upon the film. The film was released in 1983 in the United States at Seven Doors of Death. Critic Kevin Thomas, which is a boring-ass name, of the Los <laughs> Angeles Times deemed the film visually... He deemed the film visually elegant, but noted as a thriller of the occult. It's overly familiar. Just another rotting flesh ghoul parade. Which is, mm. That sounds badass. Take that, Fulci. Or should I say Fuller? The Seven Doors of Death sounds like a martial arts movie. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a horror movie at all. It also doesn't make any sense with the film. Or it could be like an Edgar Allan Poe short story. Like one of the not really good ones. Well, Tim Pauline from the monthly film bulletin at the time stated the film allows for two or three visually striking passages. And granting mm-hmm. that from Bava onwards, narrative concision has not been the strong suit for Italian horror movies. The film is still completely undone by its wildly disorganized plot. Shut up, you racist. You talking that shit about Italians? <laughs> They'll get you, man. Don't you know they're all in the mafia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that is the general attitude about Italian film. He said, uh, from Bava onwards, narrative concision has not been a strong suit for Italian horror films. Which is true on stream. We watched Blood and Black Lace, which is kind of uh, uh, Bava's opus, and it, it leads to an explosion of Giallo, which then eventually leads into the 80s horror film. And um, I was high as shit and drinking while we watched it, but it's also like the 30th time I've seen Blood and Black Lace because it's really digestible and easy to get through, but it doesn't... Uh, the, the story's in there. It's just like so inconsequential. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, too, because it's like a murder mystery, but you're like, I don't fucking care who these characters are. <laughs> like, the shocking revelation at the end is, so what? <laughs> it's kind of like, oh, that yeah, that person? Yeah, but with that said, um, Lucio Fulci claims it was intentional this time in The Beyond, um, which maybe... But it's also kind of just like how Italian films are. I'll give Lucio Fulci the benefit of the doubt. He seemed like um, he's a pretty cool guy. He's made some movies I like, so I'll just say, yeah, he did it on purpose. He's a genius. Genius. <laughs> genius. Upon its release in 1998, or the re-release rather, this is when Roger Ebert stepped up and he deemed it a film filled with bad dialogue and criticized it for having an incoherent plot in two, the year 2000. He included the film in a book of his most hated films. Fuck you, Roger, <laughs> you piece of shit. Roger doesn't know shit about uh, shit. He's getting, he's getting it done. Nah, he, I mean, he's not, he's, not, he's not wrong. Dialogue is really bad. Yeah, uh, so what? We don't need dialogue. This shit's not even having it in the movie. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, I guess like the charms of the movie that were outside of the dialogue and like... As you've pointed out, and as we've seen from the, what, five Italian movies we've watched at this point, the three in this month so far, and the other ones, mm-hmm. and then plus the stuff we've done on the stream, there's not really a whole lot of narrative to it. So going into an Italian movie and expecting some great story, uh, you're setting yourself up for failure. You, you got to look for the uh, you got to look for the, the sweet nougat elsewhere in this movie. Yeah, that's like kind of like people's argument for like the Marvel movies, right? It's like you can't go in the Marvel movie and expect it to be like life altering or meaningful. Yeah, well, I'm kind of like, you yeah, know you're getting into. Like my my philosophy for all basic all movies is to you know take it for what it is. You know, like don't yeah. go into a Marvel movie and expect um the fucking Shawshank Redemption because it's not going to be the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, the problem with Marvel movies though is the fan base acts like they are. 
Yeah, well, that means you can't pay attention to the fan base because I, I saw some motherfuckers already masturbating over Dune cinematography. Oh, yeah, it's going to win awards. You see the two colors it has? Two colors. <laughs> Why don't they let... You can't have fucking colors in movies anymore. It's fucking bullshit. I'm just going to... I'm I like Denis Villeneuve, so that's why I thought I'd be excited for Dune. That trailer came out and I said, fuck that, I'm just going to watch the David Lynch one again. <laughs> <laughs> David I don't like Dune. Some like, I really, vision. I don't God care. Damn. Like I've read Dune. I don't. I don't like Dune. I don't give a fuck about the story. I haven't read the books. Yeah, I don't. All I know about Dune is David Lynch's sure. Dune. Um, if you want like weird um, sci-fi with uh, like Christian philosophy, you should be reading Hyperion. <laughs> no. Uh, the, 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 yeah. So yeah, like you said, Robert Ebert, Roger Ebert is, is without any context. Like, going into it, judging it just as. A, a film in the entire pantheon of film yeah it's not going to come across very well but if you go into it knowing all right it's going to be a goofy italian movie it's going to be fun to look at and it's kind of fun in general there's be blood and shit you'd be like all right that was a good time same thing with marvel movies yeah like if you go into it just knowing it's going to be paint by numbers like feel good superhero shit you're like okay that's pretty good yeah um, i thought i was going into expecting like a really good Saturday morning cartoon, and I'm I'm never disappointed. I don't know. Even my expectations for Marvel movies are never met as low as I've made them at this point. It's kind well, of there's some that are not. Movies. Like the only one that I feel has come close to being anything like a fun Saturday morning like cartoon experience is like the first Avengers and like Infinity War. Well, I mean, the first Avengers Infinity War is really good, but like Thor Ragnarok. The Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Oh, yeah. The Guardians um, of the Galaxy movies are pretty cute. I like Black Panther a lot. Captain Marvel would be okay, but there's some weird shit in there. Um, I don't know. In general, it's just like, whatever. I've watched them a lot because the kids watch them a lot. Yeah. It just doesn't... Uh, for me, it's just like... Uh, it's pretty boring popcorn shit. And like even shutting off my brain to just enjoy it, there's like not any aspect of it and i enjoy like these italian movies yeah they're stupid as shit but i like the gore and the cinematography and the weird audio and there's all sorts of shit the marvel movies i don't think they look good the mute scores are always like completely unmeaningful and empty the acting is not that good i don't care about the characters very much and the and then when they get to the action scenes which are supposed to be like you know the major events of all the films I just stopped. My brain completely shuts off because it's just like action figures bumping into each other or something, you know? So I no, I, I get the action. A lot of the action is just kind of, yeah. Yeah, whatever. If you like Marvel movies, good for you. Uh, there's just like not anything appealing in them to me. That goes for like most, all the DC movies and shit too. Yeah, so that's fine or whatever. But like in general, Guardians of the Galaxy like is... I guess an outlier in that uh, it's pretty visually interesting compared to most of the other Marvel movies. And Thor Ragnarok to a certain extent, although it's not showcased very well, I don't think. Anyhow, this podcast isn't about Marvel movies. I could have sworn months ago I was like, I was going to stop talking about Marvel movies, but fuck them. They're going to stop making them anyways. Them shits is done. (laughs) (laughs) They're just going to put them on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, and then people are going to continue not to see them until it's a waste of money from them to produce them. You got to pay $35 to see what, what's the next fucking one, The Eternals? Nah, I don't think so. 
I think Black Widow is going to be first before they because Black Widow's already done. They just keep pushing that, but it was supposed to already be out, but they pushed it back because of the COVID. Oh, really? Yeah. I, well, I don't so. think I'm. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say not very many people are gonna see that one, anyways. Not because um, it's female driven or well, I mean that has something something to do with it. But I think the overall thing is that it because it exists in um, a time period that's not relevant to the advancement of the story, the overall storyline, because it takes place who knows when, sometime in the past. Yeah, and Black Widow is not that interesting of a character. How dare you? She was kind of cool in Infinity War. I like when she was mean to um, Thanos' friends. She was real mean to that one Proximal lady. Midnight? Yeah, she's like, it crippled your boyfriend. You like that bitch? That's not what she said, but that's what she meant. <laughs> the intent was that. Yeah. Um, Time Out London called it a shamelessly artless horror movie whose senseless story, A Girl Inherits a Spooky Studio Hotel, which just happens to have one of the seven doors of hell in its cellar, is merely an excuse for a poorly connected series of sadistic tableau of torture and gore. Uh, these are this. Um, Sounds would, like they got it. I don't know what they're upset about. Well, if you see, this is Time Out London in Thatcher's London. Oh, no, this is after the release. Sorry. So, um, as we all know, England's completely insufferable and stuffy all the time, anyways. This is just more pearl clutching from those goddamn fucking Protestant Brits. So, it makes perfect sense when you put it in the context of it being stuffy English people. Just the English are the worst. Because what he actually described sounds like exactly what I saw and exactly what I loved. But he's the, whoever wrote this is saying that it's bad for some reason. <laughs> to contradict that uh, opinion of the film as well, Time Out London conducted a poll with several authors, directors, actors, and critics who have worked within the horror genre to vote for the top horror films. And on October 2019th, The Beyond placed at number 64 on their top 100 list. So, guess this guy, I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> fucking English loser. You goddamn fog breather. Just don't like the way it made me feel in my pants. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. Um, anyways, Fulci says, People who blame The Beyond for its lack of story have not understood that it's a film of images which must be received without any reflection. They say it's very difficult to interpret such a film, but it's very easy to interpret a film with threads. Any idiot can understand Millionaro's La Caga, Afole, or even Carpenter's Escape from New York, while The Beyond or Argento's Inferno are absolute films. Whoa, Take that. Whoa. <laughs> Take That's that. some like alpha brain <laughs> bullshit right there. Take that, John is that Carpenter. Destiny? Is that, is that Twitch.tv's Destiny talking? <laughs> no, Destiny's never created anything. <laughs> Lucio Fulci at least has a leg to stand on and that he is also a filmmaker. Uh, Destiny, I believe, um, he just debates people on Twitch, right? Da, na, na. That was, uh, I don't know, that was some... Uh, the only people who can understand my movie are the really smart ones. Yeah, I mean, that's... Um, he is self-aggrandizing a little bit, um, which he does quite often in interviews. But um, the, the, the crux of You understand my greatness. The crux you understand of, how great I am? The crux of his argument is kind of there. Wherein, the, yeah, where the movies where it is heavily reliant on plot threads and it's um, played out for you beat by beat in a traditional sense. Yeah, those are really easy to follow. I don't know if he necessarily should compare the beyond to those films, though, because it's not like his film is beyond those films. It just operates in a different way where it's more interpretive and like intuitive base um i don't think it's in direct competition with those style of films because they're completely different things 
And if it were, Escape from New York is probably a better film than Beyond. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Compared to The Thing, that's a horror movie, right? (laughs) Well, he does mention um, Dario Argento's Inferno being along with Beyond in absolute film. And we'll probably watch Inferno next year when we return to Italy. Um, And uh, he's right about that in the sense that Inferno kind of does the same thing that Beyond does and does it quite a bit better. Because it's almost like Dario Argento's better director than most of these guys. Yeah, that's the one that called me the Godfather. And speaking of Dario Argento, next week we're going to be watching the Dario Argento film to end our little trip to Italy. It's also going to coincide with the beginning of the real spooky season, the spooky month of October, where we're getting real spooky. So we're going to watch, I guess, probably Argento's most well-known film, most well-renowned, the one that really inspired the 80s horror of Italy. And it's got pretty spooky stuff in it. It's a Suspiria. Disturbia? Suspiria. 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 The original 1977 version, though, we will not be watching the remake. No, I'm going to watch the remake. Uh, At one point, I believe I said the remake sucks. That was me being a little bit hyperbolic. The remake's a pretty good movie for what it is. I don't think it's comparable to the original. They're like completely different films. One of them is a bland, modern horror film. The <laughs> um, same Suspiria, the remake suffers from the same problem I have with Dune, where the color palette is extremely limited and washed out, which is a weird choice to do for Suspiria, where everything is the most like vibrant primary colors possible in every scene. I'm trying to think, what's the first uh, movie or TV show that's like really like, you know, let's put yellow on everything. Was it Breaking Bad? Probably. And then like, everybody's like, yeah, that looks cool. They're like, yeah, that's what Mexico or desert looks like. Yellow. <laughs> I fucking hate that. It's Poor just a um, byproduct of digital filmmaking. You can do is... other colors, though. Yeah, but they all just end up being washed out gray or like kind of blue, right? I think I of everything. Like someone is not doing their digital photography right. There's got to be better ways to handle it. There might be, but uh, so far no one seems to have been able to figure it out. Let's like I said, there, the, there's some fucking college student out there that, that's, that knows what to do. I'm gonna find him. Hopefully, kill him. Well, it's the color temperature and the way lighting works and shit on digital film it just like doesn't come across. Um, actually, I mean, Tangerine was shot all on an iPhone and is actually much more visually appealing than a lot of blockbuster films so maybe it just takes the creative intent and the dedication to do it and then the guys who actually care about that shit are like me where they're just like nah just keep using film film forever how much is it shit (laughs) yeah that's the cool thing about digital obviously and the you basically anyone can film a movie now if they wanted to which is cool um the only thing holding me back is i know it'll look fucking ugly because digital fucking sucks also we only know like five people yeah, and I mean, even though you have a camera that can work, um, that does not account for even anywhere close to any of the expenses of actually making a film. So it's still quite limited to make a film. Someday, maybe people will independently produce films. Probably not, though, based on like independently produced animation getting bought out immediately by internet corporations like Rooster Teeth and shit. So my point teeth. is, don't Shout ever out teeth. fuck Rooster Teeth. My point is, don't ever try anything because the corporation is going to come along and steal it and ruin it. Shout out to VHS Cool. <laughs> VHS Cool. 
um the beyond it fucking rules though i love it uh it's got some gore, gory gruesome death scenes my favorite part is when uh for some reason the mother goes to check out the body in the autopsy room and ends up getting acid poured on her face and the daughter has to avoid the the mom foam yeah the mom foam was pretty great that acid uh was like the infinite jar of acid i like the sound effects they use for the acid too it does not make any sense it doesn't sound like liquid pouring Sounds like something coming from another dimension. <laughs> you know, in, in Roger Ebert's defense, this this part does not make any narrative sense. Because, like, she sees something, she screams, and then all of a sudden she's on the floor getting acid poured on her face when the daughter comes in. She got, like, demon um, brain. She's like, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'm going to lay down on the floor and pour acid on her face. No, the, um, the body of the painter used his demon psychic powers to give her an embolism. And she fell down and uh, knocked over acid on herself. It's all in there. You just gotta read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> or just make shit up like you're a fanfic uh, or a headcanon, you Tumblr shit. Just make shit up. Whatever. Stephanie Meyer? Yeah, just make shit up. Fuck it. Who cares, man? It's all there. I guess that's actually an interesting um, aspect of fanfic now that I think about it. Because at least like people are like finding an interesting way to celebrate their like sexuality and their fetishes and shit. So I'm not gonna knock that aspect of fan fiction where you're just like, yeah, what a fucking cyborg fucked Beast Boy to death from Teen Titans. Like, go for it, write that shit. What if I had a, a sexual <laughs> relationship with Soundwave, the Decepticon second in command from Transformers? Hell yeah! How did these Transformers have sex? Someone figure it out. Someone already did in fanfics. <laughs> <laughs> She knows she is. And that is like too young to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Alright, um <laughs> VHS call. We VHS just, call. We role play Transformers and we met the, the person that thought they wanted to be Soundwave's girlfriends. I don't remember meeting that person. I you also absolutely did, but alright. <laughs> hmm. Well you were like more into the role play the stuff ro- than role I was. Role playing fan fiction scene than you were, that's for sure. Yeah. I might have met a lot of uh, quote-unquote fanfiction celebrities back in my uh, well, like you did that Transformers Dungeons and Dragons days, basically. Yeah, like you did that mud thing, right? Like the early form of MMOs, really. And um, I thought that was it was cool. basically online and online Dungeons and Dragons, but just Transformers skin. Yeah, it was a, a mud. They're called muds, right? Or mucks? Yeah, mud or mush or muck. And Panorama's. You were like cool and popular on it and i was like oh man i want to be cool and popular and then also i did not have the commitment to keep doing it <laughs> so i think you to do online when i was in like doing other stuff really yeah but I, what i mean is like uh, so i think you got to meet more cool interesting weirdos on the internet through that than i did because i don't remember not being too committed to it i you was like that, that, that sound waves girlfriend yeah <laughs> hell yeah so, uh, you specifically got banned from um the mush that she created oh really yeah why i don't remember exactly she was famously litigious, litigious. <laughs> uh, internet litigious yeah she's an early early adopter of cancel culture <laughs> she did not like what i had to say about Soundwave. i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> an uncharismatic bore like you yeah that's good times i used to be a dick on the internet though so that makes sense i was a dick in real life too in like high school when I was like trying to understand what like the limits of pushing being transgressive and how far you could push people uh, as like 
I guess performance art at the time, even though I wasn't aware that it was performance art, that's kind of what it was. That's weird. It's weird to be like a weirdo and fucking high school punk rock weirdo. All these weird ideas about how shit operates. <laughs> oh man, it's fun being a kid. I shit, I could go back to high school and do that shit again. It's way easier than real life. Yeah, that's true. True. Uh, real life though. Um, we are VHS Cult. We got a website you can check out. Uh, we'll be on Twitch probably on Friday again to stream at 9 p.m. Pacific time. We will be watching Knife Plus Heart, which is a queer slasher film that came out in like 2019. That's pretty good. Uh, next week we'll watch Suspiria to kick off the good say goodbye to Italy while at the same time Ciao. getting ready to be spooky for Halloween. Having the time of my life right now. Uh, part of it is like I'm going through like a quote unquote manic episode, I think. But also, it's just like the weather's nicer, and I'm like, fuck, it's nice to be like have a change of attitude. Cause like, even though I'm still stuck inside, it's like I feel good about being stuck inside and just watching horror movies instead of feeling like a bum. Like in the summertime, I'm like, man, I need to be out there mating and shit. I can't be in here just watching movies. But now it's like, oh, this is the time to just stay inside and watch movies. It's all right. I'm like a beast in rut, bro. Hell yeah, man. Blood's up. I want to feel rib cages. That's how I'm going to determine my uh, future partners by size of rib cage. <laughs> Can I my, my hands are in the rib cage? My most recent ex, for sure. She was way smaller than me. Like and follow. Subscribe. Um, do whatever you do on Spotify and iTunes and them shits. Rate and review. Post about us on Reddit. Post about us in YouTube comments. Tell your girlfriend about us. Oh, let's get this shit going, all right? I need want to. Uh, my specific goal of this podcast is to make it so that um, it becomes a viral trend to post pictures of yourself in a nightgown. All genders, all sexes. And that can only like be a, done. Like a silky nightgown. It can only be done through the power of VHS Cult. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh,